Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to be looking ahead to Arsenal's Premier League trip to Bournemouth, which takes place tomorrow, Saturday evening at 5.30pm UK time. The evening kickoff away from home, never ideal, in my opinion. There's two kickoff times in the Premier League, actually three that I don't like. So I don't like 12.30s on a Saturday. I feel like the early kickoff is always a little bit more unpredictable than it probably should be. I don't like the 2pm kickoffs on a Sunday, so the early ones on a Sunday. I feel like everybody's still a bit sleepy for those games. And I don't like the Saturday 5.30. I think that that is one of the most atmospheric kickoff times, if that makes sense. As in, it's an evening game. It's a Saturday. People have been building up to it all day. They've had a few drinks. The atmosphere is normally quite raucous wherever you go. And so I always think, and maybe I'm scarred by previous years where we used to go with Arsene Wenger up north on a Saturday evening and get absolutely beaten and battered and bruised and all of that. Maybe we've moved past that, but it's still a kickoff time that makes me feel a little bit uneasy. So not overly excited by that. Um, I didn't like the Friday night kickoff against Crystal Palace, though, either. Basically, I don't like any kickoff time other than 3pm on a Saturday is uh, is probably where I should be going with this. But anyway, look, we're going to look ahead to the game because um, Mikel Arteta has been speaking to the media today. He's provided some team news and he's been speaking on a number of other matters as well. But before we do that, I want to say a big hello to those of you joining us live at the moment in the chat box. There are plenty of you. Big hello to uh, Wandering Minstrel, to Crypto Nace, to Henry, to Lynn, to Hamza, to Ayush, to Gunner Down Under, who says, um, 
Hey, Harry, my man. Big up as always. Hope you're well. Got my channel up and running. Full steam ahead now. Already got content up. Can't wait for some collab as we touched on last time. Yeah, let's do it, man. Um, drop me a message um, on Twitter and I'll make sure I have a look. I do... I don't always go through my Twitter DMs because most of them are people having a go at me. So uh, a lot of the time I kind of leave it for a long while. Some of the messages go into the requests bit as well. And I kind of check it periodically, um, which is really bad of me because I've missed out on work because I didn't check it quick enough. But yeah, um, drop me a message on there and I'll make sure that I keep an eye on it. And uh, good luck with the channel. And thank you so, so much, mate, for your very, very kind donation to the Chronicles of Aguna. It is very, very much appreciated. Uh, also, a big hello to our good friend over in Fort Lauderdale, Craig. Uh, thank you so much for your kind donation as well, mate. I haven't even done any work yet. Cheers. Uh, he says, Harry, my friend, hope you're well. Beard game is on point. Prediction for nil Arsenal. I'll be bringing you my prediction a little bit later on in the chat. Okay, um, let's start with Mikel Arteta's press conference, which he gave this afternoon. It took place at midday. If you've got any questions, because I can see a load of questions coming through now on the live chat, just hold on to them. I know there's some Manchester United Casemiro questions as well, which I, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to discuss a little bit later on, but just hold fire on them so that they don't get lost in the chat. Um Okay, let's do it. So, Mikel Arteta's press conference, which, as I say, he gave earlier today. First question tends to be, what's the team news, Mikel? And it was a positive update. Uh, Mikel Arteta said that everybody is okay, that everybody's feeling good. He mentioned that Cedric Suarez, uh, Emil Smith-Rowe and Fabio Vieira all played for the under-21s earlier in the week. He also mentioned that both Emil Smith-Rowe and Fabio Vieira had trained all week with the side and so are available for selection. So this could be the first glimpse we get in the first team of Fabio Vieira. Now, just interestingly, because we haven't talked about this uh, this week, but Fabio Vieira, as I say, he played for the under-21s and his position was on the right wing. Now, it then sort of later came to light that Mikel Arteta had sort of passed down that instruction to the under-21s. He said, I want him to play from the right wing. And I've been saying to you guys quite a bit, haven't I, over the course of the summer, when we were sort of first hearing about the Fabio Vieira deal, when we had conversations around where exactly he fits into the picture. One of the things I repeatedly said was, in my personal opinion, in the longer term, he might be seen as a number eight. He might be seen as someone to fill that role. And obviously his versatility is something that plays a part here. Mikel Arteta spoke about his versatility a little bit later on. I'll come on to that in a sec. But I said that I thought it was very likely that Fabio Vieira's first few appearances in Arsenal colours would come on the right wing or on the left wing. I think it's an easier position to put somebody in who maybe isn't quite yet ready for the physical level of the Premier League and for whom, you know, he's still finding his feet. So I think that that is what I expected. I wasn't surprised to hear that he played on the right. I wasn't surprised to hear um, that Mikel Arteta is, is sort of very keen on the idea of him being able to plug holes in a lot of positions at the moment whilst he finds his feet in English football. And later on in the press conference, there was a question uh, around this. And the question was, is the right wing then the position that you're considering using Fabio Vieira in? 
Um, and Mikel Arteta said, look, his versatility gives us options, but we'll wait and see how it develops. He didn't want to commit to a position for Fabio Vieira, understandably so at this stage in his Arsenal career. Um, there are rumours this evening and reports this evening, literally just maybe 20 or so minutes before I hit the live button saying that Nicolas Pepe to Nice is getting closer on loan. And so we will need uh, more wide cover. Will that mean Arsenal go out and get a winger in between now and the end of the window? I think a lot of people kind of taking that news of Nicolas Pepe's potential departure on loan and and sort of drawing a conclusion from that that suggests that Arsenal are going to go out and bring in another winger. And I don't know 100% that that's the case. I'm sure they're in the market. I'm sure they're looking, as we've said repeatedly over the last few weeks, Arsenal will be um, keeping tabs on how the market looks and, and hopefully pouncing if a good opportunity comes along. But it doesn't guarantee, the fact that Nicolas Pepe is moving out doesn't guarantee that we're going to bring in a winger. We've still got Saka there. We've still got um, Fabio Vieira, who clearly Mikel Arteta thinks can do a job there. Um, you know, he'll look at people like Emile Smith-Rowe and think that he can play from either flank, really. Uh, you could say the same for Gabby Martinelli. OK, maybe they're more effective from the left, but you could put either of them there. You could potentially put Gabriel Jesus on the right flank and put Eddie Nketiah through the middle. Not saying that's what I would do, but just highlighting the fact that Mikel Arteta does have options. And so there's no guarantee that Arsenal go out and bring in another wide player if Nicolas Pepe moves out on loan, given what we've just said about Fabio Vieira and given all the other options and alternatives that we have. I haven't even mentioned Marquinhos, who Mikel Arteta was very complimentary of in um, in the press conference too. Um, before I continue, uh, no, actually, I'll do it later on. Don't worry. Don't worry. It's bad planning on my part. I'll do it a bit later on. Okay, look, let's uh, let's get back to the press conference uh, around the mood at the club. Mikel Arteta said, that obviously, confidence is high. He didn't say that in as many words. He was asked if the mood was good, if the confidence is high. And he said, yeah, you know, it is. Um, obviously, a good start to the season for the Gunners. Uh, lots of goals, which is something that was a real problem for us last season. Some of our new signings, in particular, Alexander Zinchenko, and uh, Gabriel Jesus have really hit the ground running. Gabby Martinelli looks to have started the season really well. So there's lots and lots of reason, of course, for optimism. But Mikel Arteta made it clear that, in his opinion, this is a tough game. Now, you could say that he's doing this out of respect for the opponent, that Premier League managers should do this ahead of every game. But Mikel Arteta is somebody who's, as we've seen in the Amazon doc, has has gone into games feeling confident and has been bemused when coming away afterwards completely empty-handed. He knows all too well how the Premier League can throw up surprises, how if you're not at the races yourselves, that most teams in the Premier League are good enough to take advantage of that. He knows all of those things and will be well aware that given what I said earlier on about the atmosphere, about Bournemouth, who've had a decent start to the season, they beat Aston Villa, got battered by Manchester City, but most teams will. Um, and now they're back at home in front of their fans under the light. I think it's going to be a really difficult place to go and get all three points. I think every game in the Premier League nowadays is tough, um, barring maybe two or three at home that you would say should be bankers. But yeah, um, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a tough night. And I like that Mikel Arteta um, recognises that. I like that there doesn't seem to be any complacency creeping in after the first couple of games. And actually, I didn't mention this when I was talking about the Amazon doc earlier. But one of the things I really liked was 
Remember when we went and beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge and then we beat Manchester United at Emirates Stadium just a few days later and the mood at the club was so positive and everybody was very confident and everybody was on cloud nine. There's a bit, there's a clip in the doc. I don't, if you haven't seen it, block your ears now. There is a clip in the doc where Mikel Arteta gets everybody back in after the Manchester United game and says, look, we won those games, but we were lucky. And it could have been very, very different. And he talked about the defensive deficiencies that were on show. And just seeing that gives me confidence that Mikel Arteta is well aware, even if he doesn't say it publicly, even if he doesn't come across with it in a press conference, he's well aware when his team doesn't perform to the level required. And he's well aware when there are things that needed to be worked on. And he'll know as a consequence of that, that if you're not at the races, you can easily go down to the South Coast and get beaten. He was also asked about um, sort of his time at Arsenal. Of course, Mikel Arteta's first game in charge of Arsenal was away at Bournemouth. And he was asked about that. Uh, he was asked about what he remembers from that. He said he remembered that it was raining. Surprise, surprise, England in December, I think it was as well. Um, and he was asked if he thinks he's changed and developed as a coach. And he made the point, I thought this was a really good point, that... Um, as the club evolves, what they need from their coach evolves as well. So Mikel Arteta, when he first came in, was somebody that needed to, you know, put in new rules, needed to get people out that were bad for the team, needed to change the culture, needed to change the attitude. And to a degree, because of how things had fallen, he needed to protect at times players. He needed to protect the club. He needed to protect certain things. But now what's required of him is different. He needs to take the team forward now. He's, he's kind of done that bit. Now he's at the place where he has got a good squad, a squad that is capable of getting back in the Champions League. And now the expectation is much higher. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I expect Arsenal to qualify for the Champions League next season. And if they don't, I'd be very disappointed. And you could say that that would be a failure. People talk about process, process, process. What is the process? Well, the process for me is progress. Process equals progress. That's 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 what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for Arsenal to win the Premier League title this year. It'd be nice, but it isn't realistic. I'm looking for progress. And the reason why people, I think, were so unsure about Mikel Arteta relative points in his Arsenal career so far well, because he came and he took over in December, we finished eighth. Can't really pin that on him because he wasn't there long enough, in my opinion. But then the following season, we finished eighth again. And then at points, it looked like we were going to finish eighth last season. And so people were kind of like, well, where is this progress that we need to see in order for us to believe in the process? And, you know, we saw it last season. Again, it wasn't a success finishing fifth. It was progress. That's how I see it. And actually, while I'm on the subject of this, I just want to dig out a comment uh, from the show that I did earlier today, looking back on the final episodes of the Amazon documentary and then discussing um, and then discussing sort of the series on the whole. Uh, this was a question from Des Lynham. Des, I hope you're listening, uh, mate. But he put this question in saying, Having watched the documentary, I don't get it, Harry. How can Vinay and Ian Wright say that they thought finishing fifth was a success? Really? I get all the improvements to the team and that we're in Europe, etc. But we're still light years behind 
Liverpool and City. And finishing fifth in my book is far from a success. No doubt I'm going to be reminded that this is a long haul process and that Mikel needs more money, more time, more players, and that it took Klopp four years, etc. But try to put your channel and its subscribers to one side and answer me this honestly. Number one, do you think finishing fifth was a success? No. And and this is what prompted me. I was thinking about this. Um, after I read your comment earlier on, I was thinking about this. I, I had to drive somewhere um, in between the two streams. And, and as I was driving, I was thinking about this. Is, is fifth a success? No, it's not. It should never be for a club of Arsenal's size. I would never use the word success to label Arsenal finishing fifth. What I will say, though, is that it's progress. And so the success is in the progress, not in the finishing position, if that makes sense. That's the point that I would always make. And that's the way I look at it. So in answer to part one of your question, no, fifth is not um, a success. Number two is if Mikel finishes fifth this season and fails to qualify for the CL again, is that success too? Or should he walk? Well, you have to consider, you have to consider his position if we fail to qualify for the Champions League. Absolutely. Because he's been backed. He's been supported. I support him. A lot of fans support him. The club support him. The players clearly support him, I feel, at the moment as well. I think everybody is behind Mikel Arteta. But there's still a responsibility on his shoulders, as there is for anybody who manages such a big club to deliver, to deliver their objectives, to deliver the goals. And the goal last season was clearly for Arsenal to get back into Europe. Doesn't mean it was a success. That was the minimum. That was the minimum objective. And Arsenal achieved that. But now, in order for us to keep trusting in the process, I keep saying it, we have to see the progress. And the next step in the progress is to get Arsenal Football Club back into the Champions League. Moving on, let's go back to the press conference. I apologise for the uh, the digression, but I, I do like that. I do like sort of spinning off into different conversations. Um, he was asked about Marquinhos and uh, what the situation is with the Brazilian. Now, I've talked a few times about the fact that I wouldn't be surprised if, if Arsenal were to consider loaning out Marquinhos. And I was really kind of interested when Mikel Arteta was asked the question about the young man in today's press conference. My ears kind of perked up when I heard that question. I sort of leaned in towards the screen. What what was he going to say? What was he going to tell us about Marquinhos's immediate future? And what he said was, we're going to keep him for the next few months, make sure he settles in okay, and then we'll look at it then. And he didn't rule out the idea of Marquinhos featuring in the Premier League. Um, he was asked a kind of follow-up question that suggested that was he being kept to play in the Europa League and the Carabao Cup and things like that. But actually, Mikel Arteta, as I expected him to really, uh, was quite happy to say, look, if he's good enough, if he performs to the level required, then why wouldn't he get the opportunity in those competitions? He talked about his physical level, um, which is something I think we've all been impressed by in the little we saw of him in pre-season and what we've, some of us have seen in the under-23s. Um, etc. But it looks like Marquinhos is staying put for the time being. And again, it's another right wing option tying into what we were speaking about earlier on. Uh, the other kind of big question that was put to him in the live part of the press conference was with regards to Bukayo Saka's future. It's all gone a little bit quiet. Bukayo Saka 
um, obviously going to be linked with moves away all the time because of what a talented player he is. And uh, naturally, all the biggest and best clubs in the world will be looking at Bukayo Saka and want to sign him. So his contract situation at Arsenal is a bit of a cause for concern for some. And we heard a little while ago that things were progressing quite well and then it's kind of gone radio silent. And that was the angle from which the question was put to Mikel Arteta, who said that he's confident, um, that he's very confident that the club, Bukayo, his family, his representatives are all aligned in what it is that they want to achieve. and. It's just now about getting that down on paper and making that work on paper. Um, he did say these things take time. And uh, and I guess, you know, that was kind of a bit of a throw to the caution for us, which we kind of need. But I don't think he'd be sitting there saying, I'm confident, we're aligned, all of that stuff, if he didn't have a good feeling about how this is moving with Bukayo Saka. So I think we as fans... I wouldn't go as far as saying can take confidence from it, but I think we should just chill out a little bit on the Bukayo Saka thing and trust that if the team keeps performing, if the progress keeps happening, um, there's no reason why Bukayo Saka won't want to commit his future to the football club, at least for another couple of years. Maybe there'll be a clause in there that can get him out if Arsenal take a nose. Down. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of it. But yeah, feeling quite confident that that isn't going to be an issue for us at the moment. Apologies, needed a cheeky sip there. Uh, let's continue through the show then. Okay, so let's look at how I would like to see Arsenal line up against Bournemouth. Now, I've been thinking about this because obviously one of the big things that I've said about Arsenal this season, and um, I said it on the 90 Min show yesterday, you might have seen a clip going around on Instagram of me saying this. I feel like what's massively important for Arsenal at the moment is that they start games really fast. That that intensity, that energy um, and that aggression is there from kickoff. I think it's so, so important. I think the way we are set up to play requires us to have a fast start. And I don't really worry about this team until we get to the point where maybe 20, 25 minutes have gone and we haven't seen that yet. That's when I start to think maybe we're not having a good day here. Maybe we're off the boil and maybe we should be concerned. But in the first 20 minutes, as long as I see that effort, that commitment, that work rate, and that energy, then I'm normally quite confident Arsenal are at the races. So I always place a lot of importance on the opening 15, 20 minutes. I think it's so, so key for this Arsenal side. And later on in the season, what you can struggle with is if players have played too many games, if they're burnt out, if they've got um, niggling injuries, you might not always be able to play with that level of intensity. And that was why it was important that we built out the squad a little bit. That's why it's important that we take advantage right now while we've only got one game a week. So I thought about the lineup. I don't think I would chuck Fabio Vieira in to make a full debut. I, I, I wouldn't do that personally. I don't think that Emil Smith-Rowe should come in either of the players that are returning. Personally, I don't think that Takahiro Tomiyasu should come in at right back either. And I know that might surprise people because he's been very good at right back for Arsenal ever since he joined the football club. There's no question about that. But I just look at it and I think, why change something? Why mess with something that ain't broken? It, it doesn't make sense to me. So you won't be surprised to hear that when I thought about it a little bit earlier on today and jotted down my starting lineup for Arsenal's trip to Bournemouth, you won't be surprised to hear that I picked exactly the same team 
that went and beat Leicester last Saturday. Uh, exactly the same team that beat Crystal Palace on the opening weekend. But obviously, I'm happy and pleased with the fact that we've now got more options from the substitutes bench. Because as I spoke about, when that intensity level does drop off, when th things do get a little bit difficult, and again, you know, it's still quite warm here in the UK at the moment. The conditions are not ideal football conditions. They're not bad, but they're not ideal football conditions. We will be able to change it because we'll be able to bring on Smith Rowe without impacting the quality. We'll be able to bring on Fabio Vieira without impacting the quality too much. And there are alternatives now. Kieran Tierney's back and available. Tommy Asu's available. So, yeah, you know, that that gives me encouragement. But in terms of the starting 11, in terms of the first team, for me, it stays the same. So that's Ramsdale in goal, a back four of White at right back, Zinchenko at left back. Gabriel and Saliba in the middle of the defence. Thomas Partey will play in the midfield with Xhaka and Odegaard as the two eights. Saka on the right, Martinelli from the left, and Gabriel Jesus through the middle. That's how I'd play it. Now, I thought about this in a little bit more detail sort of afterwards, and I, and I went and sort of dug into how Bournemouth have lined up in their first couple of games this season as well. And, and I wanted to have a look at that and then decide or determine if that changes things for me. But first and foremost, I don't think when you're playing, with all due respect, against weaker opposition, you should compromise on your system. I think that you should have a go-to system. That's the only way you get familiarity. That's the only way you get consistency. It's the only way you get everybody understanding exactly what their role is by doing it week in, week out. Go away to Liverpool and you want to tweak it. You want to change it from fear of what they'll do to you. Fine. Go to Manchester City, the same. Fine. Go to Spurs even, Man United even in their current shit state and do the same. I'm fine with it. But you don't do it against teams like Bournemouth because it sends the wrong message. It almost sends the message to the players that says, I don't trust in us to be able to go out and play our game and get all three points here. When that isn't the message you need to be sending going into a game like Bournemouth. What you do need, though, is to protect your players and yourselves against complacency. And you only need to show the Arsenal players what Bournemouth did against Aston Villa. OK, Villa were probably the better side that day on the balance of play overall. But they got a result. They managed to beat an Aston Villa side who were fancy to go there and take all three points. They went to Manchester City last weekend and got beaten heavily. I wouldn't even read into that. I wouldn't even that that wouldn't even come up in my conversation because most teams will probably go there and struggle. But I think in games like this, in games against teams like Bournemouth, who probably go into it with a bit of an inferiority complex, you have to make sure that you confirm that feeling that may be lingering in the back of their minds. You, play, I remember, I used to play football, right? When we used to come up against a side that we knew were better than us, we went into the game thinking we could win, of course. We went into the game wanting to win, of course. But in the back of your mind, you knew that if you weren't quite 100% at your best, you could get beaten. And even if you were 100% at your best, their superiority could still mean that they come out on top, in which case you're helpless. You've done everything within your power. You've done everything to the maximum of your ability, but you still lost the game. So the point I'm trying to make here is that there is no doubt, having watched Arsenal and the way they've started the season, 
Bournemouth will be looking at this Arsenal team and thinking, yeah, we can win. Yeah, we can give them a game. Yes, we can compete. But in the back of their minds, there will be a small thought of shit Arsenal could do us here today because they are better than us. How do we deal with Jesus? How do we deal with Martinelli? How do we deal with Saka? All of that stuff. And so the point I'm trying to make here is that if you go out and you start the game like a house on fire, you bring that thought from the back of their minds to the forefront of their minds. You bring that doubt to life and that impacts their confidence. And then you should go on and win the game. But you can only do that and you can only fuel that doubt further by starting the game well and sending a message as if to say, you guys thought you could get something against us. You're having a laugh. We're 10 times better than you. So it's so important. Again, it goes back to that point of how important it is for Arsenal to start games well. It's important in the sense of what it does to an opponent, particularly an opponent that you'd say is weaker, but also for what it does to Arsenal's confidence as a team and how it helps us move forward. Fast start is a must, an absolute must. Going back to the way uh, Bournemouth line up, I, I had a look into this a little bit earlier on. In fact, you know what? Let me see if I can find it um, on the screen for you. So I, I, I'm not really sure what it's going to be in terms of personnel for Bournemouth, but in terms of shape, they set up the exact same way uh, against Aston Villa as they did against Manchester City. Now, I'm sure naturally against Aston Villa, um, they were a little bit more adventurous in the way they approached it and maybe a little bit less rigid in that shape. But I'm sure in their game uh, against Aston Villa, they, you know, sorry, let me rephrase that. I've lost my words there. They set up in the same way on paper against both Villa and Manchester City. But I think that obviously they would have been a bit more rigid in that against Manchester City from fear of what City can do. So I think that we we can look at the shape on paper, but we have to understand that last week's performance from Bournemouth might not give us everything we kind of need to know. So um, let me just uh, enlarge that so you guys can see it. So they do tend to play at the moment with a back three. They play with a back three and then they play with four across the midfield, two wing backs in Adam Smith and Jordan Zamora. It was against Aston Villa. Billing and Pearson were in midfield. Solanke, Tavernier and Kiefer Moore was up front. Kiefer Moore up top is a unit. Big lad scored a great goal that day. Header from a ball into the box. He got a lot of praise and a lot of love for that header. I have to say, I thought it was a a relatively basic header that a striker should be scoring, like given the space and time he had. But that's not to take anything away from him. He's a handful physically in the penalty area. Dominic Solanke scored a lot of goals for Bournemouth last season. He's somebody that we'll have to be aware of. And Marcus Tavernier as well, who's come from Middlesbrough. Um, you know, lots of assists. Someone who's renowned for assists. We have to be aware of that. And his deliveries and what he could potentially produce for the likes of Solanke and Kiefer Moore. You might see. Solanke get up closer to Kiefer Moore and play almost like a second striker, more so than you'll see him as part of a two playing off of the front man. That's what I expect. I think when Bournemouth are without the ball, they'll revert back to this 3-4-2-1 shape and they'll look to keep it compact and they'll look to do whatever's possible to limit the space available to Arsenal. But I do expect 
when Bournemouth have the ball and when Bournemouth are attacking, Dominic Solanke will be drifting infield and getting close to Kiefer Moore, in which case we have a front two to deal with. And Arsenal need to be aware of that. Arsenal need to be aware of that threat. And that means they'll need to provide cover for Saliba and, and uh, Gabriel, who will both be occupied in that instance. There won't be a spare man in that scenario. And the spare man is often what gets us out of trouble. So Arsenal need to be aware of that, whether that means you tuck Ben White in alongside and you drop one of the, the midfielders further back, I don't know. But there needs to be a plan for Dominic Solanke getting close to Kiefer Moore, if indeed that is how Bournemouth line up and the two playing as a front two more than just a sole striker with a couple of players off him. So I think that's really important. So... Arsenal came up against the back three the other day. Arsenal came up against the back three against Leicester City. And how did we how did we cause them problems? Because often when teams set up with a back three and with two wing backs and a solid midfield, it's very difficult to break them down. And you sit there and you go, where is the space for me to expose? So how do Arsenal expose that space? Let's just put uh, a couple of counters on the screen here. Um, these can be Bournemouth players. Um, for argument's sake, let me just put uh, the back three here because yeah, we say back three a lot, don't we? Because it is a back three on paper, but when defending, it, it is very often a back five. So let's make it a back five and then I'll explain to you guys where I think Arsenal um, need to look to expose the spaces. Now, this is something that Arsenal have done much, much better since the arrival of Gabriel Jesus. This is something that Arsenal have been able to do much, much better uh, since, of course, Granit Xhaka's role changed from being a defensive deep-lying midfielder to that as a, a number eight and somebody who's going to get forward. So those black counters that you can see on your screen, they are the Bournemouth back five, assuming that they're going to slot into that shape when Arsenal have the ball. What this current Arsenal system allows us to do, and I talk about this a lot. So you look at the build-up here, okay? So you've got your back four of Zinchenko, Gabriel, Saliba and White. But when in possession, it is not a back four, okay? Arsenal very much shift into this shape. Partey drops as the lone defensive midfield pivot. Saliba and Gabriel tuck in and get close to him. Xhaka presses forward. Odegaard presses forward. And White and Zinchenko both step into the midfield in line with Thomas Partey, but come into a much more narrow shape, meaning Arsenal essentially have a three-man midfield with two centre-backs in behind them. This is how Arsenal like to play right now, in possession. It gives us cover because the fact that when people do work the ball into midfield, we have Zinchenko and White alongside Thomas Partey to try and clean up there. But in the event that a team decides to go long against us and drops a ball over the top of that midfield three, we've got two centre-halves now in William Saliba and in Gabriel who have the pace to go left and the pace to go right and deal with those situations whilst White and Zinchenko can both drop into their normal positions, into the normal positions occupied by Gabriel and Saliba, I mean, into the centre-back positions and all of a sudden we've got a back four again. So we've got that flexibility and we've got that ability to deal with balls in behind. Saliba knows he can go out to the right and chase a ball down the channel because he knows that Ben White, who's just five, 10 yards ahead of him, will understand that 
and will drop into the centre-back position, a position in which he's very comfortable in playing. It is his position. And the same can be said on the left-hand side. Zinchenko, again, no stranger, despite playing at left-back on paper, to playing centrally. So that's what Arsenal do from a defensive standpoint. But what that gives us the opportunity to then do as an attacking outfit is to press, press, press. Put these guys under pressure. Every single one of that back five in Bournemouth's side should be occupied. And so there are no spare men. And so it only takes one of your players to win his individual duel, his individual battle, and he is away. And we have players who can do that. Martinelli can do that. Saka can do it. Odegaard can do it. Jesus can do it. And we've even seen Granit Xhaka picking up positions that are causing opponents all sorts of problems. The type of advanced positions you'd have never caught Granit Xhaka dead in in the past. So I think it's really important that we stick to this. I think it's really important that we apply this. And I think it's really, really important that we do get in and amongst them and almost suffocate Bournemouth in the early stages and make their life hell. Let them go long. I fancy Saliba or Gabriel in a foot race with Kiefer Moore any day of the week. This is how Arsenal approach games. This is how Arsenal, I expect, will approach the game tomorrow. And if we do all of that to good effect, there's no reason why we shouldn't go there and get all three points. We're a better side on paper. We're in great form. There's no reason why we don't go there. And we don't, we don't take all three points. You know, I, I'll be disappointed if we get anything less than that. But you make the pitch small this way by playing in this way, by squeezing everybody up. Because Partey will go up to the halfway line, White will be there, Zinchenko will be there, Gabriel and Saliba can start with high positions as well because of the pace and the mobility that they have to then cover the areas that they need to. It's great, but the i the whole idea of this, the whole you're probably going to hear me say this loads of times over the course of the season, but the whole, what's the word? The basis of playing this way, the basic idea of this is that if you can push everything up the pitch and you can box an opponent in and essentially play the game of football in one half, it's much easier to press half of a football pitch. It's much easier to cover every blade of grass when you're limiting the game to half of the pitch. It's much easier to press and then get back into shape when the distances between each individual player are minimal. That is a real key part of Mikel Arteta's philosophy and ideology. And finally, started to see it towards, you know, in various points last season when we had people fit. But we're starting to see it more and more as the players understand it, as the players learn it. And so, yeah, here we are. So that's what I expect from the Arsenal tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed my little uh, um, tactical sort of uh, digression. But anyway, so um, that's how I think Arsenal will line up. That's how I would pick. Uh, that's how I would line Arsenal up if I were choosing the team. Um, talked a little bit about Bournemouth, what I expect from them. I expect them to mix it up. I think Bournemouth, one of the reasons they've been successful under Scott Parker is because, yes, they've tried to play decent football. Look, I think they had such a good squad last season that they should have got promoted. And I think they would have got promoted regardless of Scott Parker. Maybe I'm being a bit harsh. I don't particularly rate him as a manager. I think he's okay. Um, but I think, you know, he had a good side there and he had to get promoted and he did. Fair play. But 
one of the things that is a characteristic of not just Bournemouth, but of Scott Parker, both as a player and as a manager, is wanting to be able to play that exciting, attacking, free-flowing football and being brave in the way you approach the game, but also understanding that if you are dogged, if you are tough to beat, if you are aggressive, if you are physical, you can level the playing field between yourselves and a side that are probably superior. I think for me, um, I, I think for me, we have to be aware of that. We have to be ready for the physical battle because we're going to get one of those. No question about it. No question about it. But yeah. Okay, so that's how I think Bournemouth will line up in terms of their shape, in terms of their system, what I expect from them in terms of their style of play. So I guess it's time now for me to share with you guys my prediction. I'm going to go for a... I'm going to go for a 3-1 Arsenal win. I feel like we've got goals in us. I feel like we're score goals. I love the fact that, yes, Gabriel Jesus is contributing, but I love the fact that we're not solely reliant on him. I love the fact that we've got the likes of Saka. Martinelli has started the season really well as well. I like the fact that we've got different options now. Granite Xhaka can even get on the score sheet. I mean, he scored towards the back of the last season against Man United, playing in that more advanced role. Scored already this season, again, playing in that advanced role. Before that, can you think of two Granite Xhaka goals for Arsenal in quick succession? No. So the system is now getting more out of people and allowing them to get into the positions from which they can score, which is great. Want to see more from Odegaard. I think his performances this season so far have been just a little bit underwhelming in that the work rate's been there, of course. but, but. In terms of what he's producing with the ball at his feet, I think we can still see more. So I'm going to go for Arsenal to score three, but I think we'll concede one. So I'm going to go Arsenal three, Bournemouth one. That is my prediction for Arsenal's trip down to the South Coast tomorrow evening. Okay, just a quick uh, couple of messages uh, from me. Uh, First of all, if you haven't left a like on the video, what on earth are you waiting for? Leave a like. It really, really helps. Also, subscribe to the channel if you're new and let us know your predictions in the comments section as well. Don't forget to vote on our live poll as well, in which just under 200 of you have voted so far. 96% of you say that Arsenal are going to go to Bournemouth at the weekend and get all three points. Well, that's what I like to hear. Love a bit of confidence uh, there. So fingers crossed to you guys. All right. If not, I'll say you all jinxed it. But anyway, uh, make sure you've hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and uh, make sure that you leave us a review if you're listening via the audio platforms as well. Um, What else did I want to tell you about? I wanted to tell you about our good friends over at Gunas versus Cancer. Uh, Many of you will know uh, Magic Mike, of course, from... Uh, the Gunas podcast. It's um, it's uh, a fantastic podcast. And Mike is a top guy doing a lot of great work for a lot of great causes. And in particular, Gunas versus Cancer. Now, if you're interested in supporting and you are UK based, there is a Gunas versus Cancer and Friends live in London event. Uh, the live show features uh, Tom Canton from the Guna Talk. Sophie Nicolau from the Highbury Squad is back on British soil. 
Uh, so she'll be there with us as well. And of course, FK from the Latte Firm. Plus, more to be announced soon, says Magic Mike. You can win uh, all sorts of prizes on the night. It's down in Hackney. Uh, so a live show, but also an opportunity to just mingle, chat, spend time with fellow Gooners. It's going to be great. And tickets are just £5. All of the proceeds are going, of course, to Gooners versus Cancer, which is very close to Mike's heart. And a lot of ours, like, we all know people that have had it, that have it, that have suffered from it, that it's affected and impacted. It's everywhere. Um, and and so it's such a, an important thing that we try to tackle and try to fight. And um, yeah, uh, there's no better way than supporting Gunas versus Cancer because we're combining, you know, a, a passion of ours, but also using it to do good in an area that really, really needs it. So um, if you're interested, please do. Um, Check out the tweet from Gunas versus Cancer. You can go to eventbrite.com, just search Gunas versus Cancer and Friends Life, and you can purchase your ticket there. So, yeah, cheers. Hope to see plenty of you down there on the night. It is on, I should have said this at the beginning, Friday, the 2nd of September at 7 p.m. So it's not a million miles away. What, a couple of weeks away? Not even that. Well, a couple of weeks today, I think. So, yeah, do get involved. Do get involved. Uh, also, I just wanted to give a big shout out to our friends over at Football Prizes as well, who are on fire at the moment. Um, Lots and lots of Arsenal stuff coming up at the moment. There's so much uh, that you can get your hands on. There's so much that you can get involved with. So if you are interested in winning two hospitality tickets uh, to Arsenal versus Fulham in the Premier League, that one's next weekend then uh, make sure you go over to the Football Prizes website. The link is in the description below, and I'll just share the screen with you so you can see exactly uh, what it looks like. Here it is. Uh, Two hospitality tickets to Arsenal versus Fulham, plus one instant win prize. Entry is just £9.95. There were 65 tickets available for this. You need to act now if you want to get in on this. I'll tell you why, because there's only one ticket left fastest finger off of the buzzer first uh, will get in there. But it's a great opportunity uh, to win a couple of hospitality tickets for what, $9.95? Go for it, man. Check it out. A big thank you to Football Prizes as well for their support of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Okay, I am going to leave it there. Um, (coughs) Beg your pardon, how unprofessional of me. I am going to leave it there. Um, That's our match preview. Uh, for Arsenal's trip to Bournemouth. You can catch me on Tom Canton's Guna Talk TV in about 10 minutes' time. We're going to be talking Nicolas Pepe and whatever else uh, Tom throws at me during the course of the show. So please do come over there, check that out. Make sure you're subscribed to the Guna Talk TV as well. I'll be back tomorrow uh, with some post-match content. Very, very much looking forward to hopefully talking about another Arsenal victory. Catch you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.